Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. We're one week away from Christmas and we've got an amazing title race coming for you as well as Christmas gets closer. But lots to talk about as always on the Tuesday show. We've got some fantastic either-ors. I tried these out on the YouTube channel at the weekend and they were 50-50. So, you know, this is perfect for an either-or. We've got Pratt of the Week. We've got a newly named quiz, which is a quiz we've always done with a new name. We'll be deciding that. And all the topical stuff as well, including title races crises disgraces and will braziers how are you doing will yeah yes very well thank you it was i actually tuned into um your live stream and it was like catching your missus in bed with somebody else you were doing either ors on one of the live streams and it just felt i just felt a little bit dirty seeing you do them uh, somewhere else so apart from so that's that where it started. weekend yeah just it all started here mate and you need to remember that but great weekend and just you know it's just nice chatting football in what's been another fantastic weekend well, bringing a bit of a classic back, because we have been doing this for a few weeks now, people really did like the book titles. We've done book titles from people that will never get written. So, you know, like Scoring Goals by Nicholas Jackson. But although he did score at the weekend, so there we go. That wouldn't work. But I've got genuine, genuine book titles here that, uh, that we've got. Um, uh, we've got uh, Flying Lessons with Raul Jimenez. What the hell was he doing for Fulham at the weekend? Bloody hell. That was like Royal Rumble, wasn't it? There's a few of them God, this weekend. I think I think in his mind he was going to two-foot him and then in the air he sort of turned his arse and thought, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, One-man team by Man City. I think without Kevin De Bruyne, they're vulnerable. One-way traffic wow. by Ten Hag. We would definitely part the bus at Anfield. Uh, Spaghetti wrists by Matt Turner. You see that one from Kulisevsky on Friday night? Yeah, I do like Matt Turner though. Well, he needs to do something with his wrists. Two weeks off, get on that. Get on the internet. Get those wrists working. Yeah. And uh, what else we got? We've got uh, Anger Management by Michael Oliver. Because I tell you what, you wouldn't want him as your psychiatrist, would you, if you're angry? There, have another yellow card. Can I... Oh, you're on fire. Let me get the petrol. Rubbish. Absolute disgraceful uh, refereeing again. Um, uh, feel, feel free to join in through the show, everybody, and get in on the Spotify questions. I feel that there will be more of these interspersed into the show. But uh, let's start off. Should we start off at the top, Will? Yeah, do you want to do it? I mean, it's the last time you can do it officially on this podcast, so let's hear it. We'll clear your throat, get ready for it, and give me your best rendition still, you've ever done. This, this still Friday as well. Uh, who'll yeah, be yeah. top at Christmas, that is all. Who'll be Christmas, that is all. Um, no, yeah, that was terrible last Monday night. If anyone was there, I apologise. The rest of the show made up it's for all right. it. But it's okay. Who will be top at Christmas, Will? Liverpool um, or um, Arsenal yeah. or Villa? Well, I, yeah, I'm really worried, mate. Sorry to intercut you there, but I'm just really fucking worried going into Christmas Day, you know, back home with all my friends and family that it could be severely in jeopardy because Aston Villa, after the results this weekend, mm. probably will be top at Christmas because we've got Liverpool and Arsenal to play. Manchester City aren't playing. After the weekend, I could really see Liverpool and Arsenal being a draw. Aston Villa are playing Friday night and they've got Sheffield United at home. I mean, good God. I'm going back to the Midlands. The majority of my mates are Aston Villa fans. I might as well just fucking go on holiday somewhere. Get your suggestions in the Spotify comments because I love Christmas and it's about to be shat on. Literally, Christmas Day, Aston Villa could be sat on your face. Yeah. Wow. All over it. And I'd just have to sit there and take it. And you wouldn't be enjoying it, yeah. It wouldn't be the front. It'd be, the, like you said, shit on his face. 
Um, but no, look, they've got a great chance, Villa. They've got um, how many points have they got? Well, look, look, I think they've got thirty. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't read that. It's in the running but order, thirty nine. Yeah. They've, they've got thirty. But, they've got thirty eight. Liverpool thirty eight and Arsenal thirty nine. So yeah, basically they play Sheffield United on Friday night. That's easy. What do we? What do we call them? The the you know the role play librarians. Um, they come into the room and bedroom and basically want to read a book and say shush boring i told you they wouldn't score against uh, chelsea and they didn't but anyway enough of that rubbish um merry christmas sheffield united fans up the blades but we've got um if they beat sheffield united on friday which they should they'd go to 41 points which means they would be top at christmas if there is a draw between arsenal and liverpool which is, which is probably not a bad prediction yeah well i i, I don't want that i i think liverpool will come good on Saturday evening for for the good of me and for that'd be a little early Christmas present for me. But I mean, do you want to start? Got another with, book title. Uh, got another book oh, title. On. Firing blanks by Liverpool. Nice. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. yeah. Write that one down. I can go in there. Maybe it's only five. one. It's only one game, isn't it? They're, they're like the terror. Yeah. They, they reminded me. Liverpool reminded me against Manchester United. They reminded me of the territorial <laughs> territorial army because they're always firing blanks. Yeah. Plenty more. Plenty more where that came from. Didn't think I'd be yeah. mocking Liverpool today. Uh, and I'm not, actually. I thought the... Actually, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts were about that game. Let's start off with that. Because Liverpool had won seven games at home. Um, or, well, basically won every game this season at home. And uh, a nil-nil draw against the United side that is terrible away against the top ten. And uh, United ended up getting a nil-nil draw. But you know what? I actually want to insert a little bit of a, a, a shout here that I, I'm not a Liverpool fan. I'm a Manchester United fan. And therefore, I was very happy with the draw. I've likened this to, yes, I would put as, as a, you know, a, an underdog going to Anfield. He basically only chance is to park the bus and try and, you know, nick a goal at the other end and take the point. No shame in that. Apparently, Van Dijk and Klopp and a lot of people were like, oh, it's shameful. I mean, it's the only way we were going to get a result. Um, and then the flip side of that coin is that then people started turning on Liverpool saying that uh, they're, they're bottle jobs for not actually getting the win. And I just think, you know what? Is this not what football's all about sometimes? Sometimes you get a stalemate nil-nil between two massive rivals. I, I think I got carried away with it a little bit because you're going into that game and to quote Gary Neville, this is Manchester United. And like, you know, everyone was like, is it going to be six or seven? I know Manchester United have been bad this season, but I, I definitely got swept away in the tide of like, yeah, I wonder if it, a Salah captain, should I triple captain him? Mm. And Manchester United put in a good solid defensive performance. Newcastle, um, Liverpool weren't firing. And I, I, to be fair, I felt on the day, Klopp got his substitutions quite wrong, really, when he brought Sabozla off. I know he wasn't having the best of games, but... For, for that midfield, he can definitely spark a bit of magic. And then I thought, yeah, obviously Man United had the best chance. I mean, I, I was really excited for it. It was an awful game, but I think both sides are to blame for that in the right ways. And even some United fans were expect, expecting a right good stuffing. And actually, it was a respectable nil-nil draw. And it was a good result for United. It's not the end of the world for Liverpool. But I think this is the problem, you know, I was going to bring this in. I don't know what people think, get in the comments uh, on Spotify, but... You know what? I think the media is changing all the oh. time. I got into a bit of trouble on Saturday night because I uh, I was watching a I got sent a clip from one of the mainstream about this. You know, it was just ridiculous. It was almost like the producer has said it's like that Paul Parker thing about me the other week, where I was like, but he doesn't even know who I am, and somebody just asked him to do something controversial. There was some some Man United Liverpool build up, and it was almost like we need something really clickable. So let's say something really stupid, and and I was like. That's what the problem was yesterday. Nil-nil, no goals. They can't run the whole Ten Hag needs to be sacked thing. Um, Liverpool have won the league. 
they're stuck. They, it's almost like the modern media do not know what to do with the nil-nil. And hail everybody who's on this uh, uh, podcast and us because that's what football knowledge depth is all about. You can get a nil-nil and still have a conversation about the wider picture of, I still think Man United are in crisis. We're going to talk about that. I still think Liverpool are title contenders, but we've almost become this FIFA generation where instant gratification. Yeah, I think the worst bit of all of that as well is, um, well, two things as well. You constantly saying the media is this general thing, like some conspiracy theorist. And the second I mean, bit everybody of that as well. Mm, yeah, okay. But as the... Um... No, but because, like, you know, the, 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 you get the media now trying to get people like us onto... You were on about this the other week. Like, a lot... The, the, what they see the success of social media, YouTube, TikTok, etc. So they get yeah. it on, but they get it on like a performing seal. They'll go, they're still the producer there. You're not, you've not got free reign like we have. You go on the show and they'll go, um, how shit on a scale of very shit to fucking shit do you think uh, salaries compared to Rashford? Oh, yeah, yeah. And away yeah. you go. It's like, it's not, it, it's so performed and no, but shame on the people who do it. I think all of that comes back to like we spoke to it with about the Joey Barton stuff as uh, we touched on it as well. And especially with what you've just spoke about as well, it's like an education piece for the audience because, you know, they put stuff out on social media for a reason. And if you get sucked into that vacuum, yeah. you are you're giving them what you want. The second point I was going to make was with all of that said, people slating Mo Salah at the end of the game. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing and re- reading on Twitter and seeing different clips because... I mean, well, that, we that's, seemed, about it that's a disgrace. Yeah, that, that, you never, for a man that was like so close to probably leaving in the summer with the amount of money that were rumoured from Saudi Arabia and, and the desperate, and you know, this is a small minority of Liverpool fans, probably not even a minority, probably like 10 people, but like to, to hear those sort of things, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I've just said I shouldn't do, and I'm giving the Salah out, um, out things oxygen, so uh, yeah. Well, he plays for I'm bloody Liverpool, I don't I'm like practice. Liverpool. I don't like Liverpool, but he can come and play for Man United. Even though he's been a Liverpool legend, I'd take him at Man United tomorrow. That's how good I think Salah is. What annoys me yeah. is that you know you'll see you you'll get uh, you'll set, get sent a tweet of someone slagging off Salah, and you look at the replies going, "Oh, I bet there'll be loads of genuine Liverpool fans here." Um, and then they're all going, "He's just trying to be Goldbridge. He's trying to be our Goldbridge." And I'm like, "No, I don't say stupid stuff like that. I wouldn't. You know, I don't say stuff like that." Most of the players I think are rubbish for Man United genuinely have are, have been rubbish for a very long time. I don't think, I don't, you, you know, you can't be turning on your legends. I, I think the whole point of being a legend is that it's like Rooney at the end. I said he needs to go. He's not the player he was, but he's a legend of the football club. It's like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager. Rubbish. I deserve the sack, but retains the legendary status, obviously, for what he did. But you can't be going after your legends like that. And also... Salah's, I was looking at the stats here. This is incredible. And it brings us on to our either-ors in a little bit later. But did you know that Mo Salah and Ollie Watkins have got, well, Salah's got 11 goals and seven assists and Watkins has got nine goals and six assists. I mean, if that if that's underperforming, I mean, it's just, it's, his consistency is, is incredible. But back to what we were talking about. Um, yeah, I, I just think it was such an interesting w- weekend in the title race, Will. I thought that City dropping points against Palace was great. And then, obviously, Liverpool drawing, Arsenal and Villa winning. It just, you know, it condenses this up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I was, I was looking at the table earlier and I was obviously focusing on the top four with Manchester City going out to the Club World Cup. But then Spurs are on 33. So going into Christmas, 
they'll probably be six points off the top of the league. And, mm. you know, I think we spoke about City being 10 points behind. I'm not saying um, Spurs are in a huge title race, but it's great to go down all the way to fifth and there to be six points in it. And they look a bit resurgent now since they've sorted their shit out with all their injuries and, the, you know, Madison to come back as well. So it's just really exciting. I'm, I'm really enjoying the Premier League this year for, for everything. It's, it's a shame of the nil-nil yesterday, but I, I, I think Liverpool-Arsenal next weekend, I think, could be an absolute <sighs> humdinger. Well, we called that, didn't we? we? We did say that a long time ago, that that was going to be great. And I suppose, you know, you said that Man City would be top at Christmas. How, that, yeah. You, you, you look out. wrong. You're out. You're out. out. It's impossible. But um, it could be any of those three, which is, I think, fantastic. The only thing I would say is you, you mentioned a five-horse race, and I just think that Spurs have done very well. But I looked at their next two games. They've got Everton at home, and then they've got... Uh, they got what's the game they've got in between? Yeah, Everton at home, uh, Brighton away next two games. So if they win those Here's two, one I for think. You. Do you think Go Newcastle could get back in there? If they, I think they've got to, but I think they've got to loan in half of Saudi Arabia. Like if they can get like Neves yeah. a, a strike, and and who I, I sort of think they might. I I think they might. I really don't understand why them or Chelsea haven't gone and got David De Gea. I think I think get 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 David De Gea for six months and then two or three players from the Saudi League. The thing about Newcastle is that 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 that, that, I, that makes me think they could get back into it is that they they're a good team that's clearly losing points because of the the injuries. Yeah, the way they play, that the energy. I think that. They're a very consistent team. They've just struggled with the injuries this year, I think, and Champions League football. And also, they've got a sort of Aston Villa-esque run where if they are and want to get back in the title race, the start of the year begins on the 1st of January, um, as you all oh, know. Oh, that's, that's a new um, one. Le- that's a new one. And <laughs> Hold on, everyone. Going... <laughs> this year starts on the 1st of January. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't believe it as well. I've just, just found out that only this year starts on the 1st of January. Yeah. Sorry. Stating the obvious by Will Brazier. There's a book. <laughs> Newcastle start on the 1st of January against Liverpool away. Then they've got mm. new uh, they've got the big FA Cup game which should should be fantastic against Sunderland. But in the league then they've got Manchester City and then Aston Villa. Mm. Which I'm not saying they'll get 9 points from, but if they can get 9 points from then we are talking about a six-horse race. It literally be like the Grand National. Or they could be mid-table and out of everything, couldn't they? If they lose all three. I've just got a. I, we keep writing off Eddie Howe, even that Fulham game. I think we spoke about on the Friday show about him going into it and a bit. Mm, Fabian yeah. Shaw went down injured. Um, Joe Linton went off, and they're two of the like the obviously main men for his team. Lewis Miley comes on seventeen, bags his first goal. Um, yeah, I think I think this January transfer window could be because so many teams have a chance. Could be absolutely fascinating. Yeah, well, look, we'll be building up to that Liverpool-Arsenal game on the Friday podcast more. Um, and look, we yes, haven't really yeah, mentioned yeah. Arsenal. We haven't mentioned Arsenal. We haven't really mentioned Villa. But I think at the end of the day, both both teams won. That That's what it's all about. Get those wins, stay in the race. And, and they're very did much you see, up there. Um, did you see the end? I turned on Aston Villa game and they were 1-0 down against Brentford. And then, I'm not even joking, it must have been the most crazy 30 minutes I've seen in football in a long time Ben Mee got sent off it went to VAR then Moreno equalised then Ollie Watkins scored and, and did that celebration towards his home fans because of the personal abuse he was getting 
Emmy Martinez went down from a shove from Mopai, which is comical. Then there was another red card. Then there was a fight. Then Emre was on the pitch. And I put it in Pratt of the Week, but I'm going to take it out because people go, you don't want to see that on a football field. I was absolute pig in shit. It was great. It was an mm-hmm. incident every two minutes and it turned a boring game into probably one that you'll look back on. Yeah, and, and you can get, you know what? You make a very, very good point. Disgrace. My second disgrace of the show. It is a disgrace because Villa and Bright Brentford will get fined for that. And what this is what the powers that be don't understand. They're, this censorship of football is, is, is go, they're going the wrong way. They're turning it into robotic AI crap. Because I, what, I, I was keeping an eye on it. I was watching Arsenal Brighton as well. And I was like, this is great. This is absolutely great. And they'll end up getting the fines. And, you know, football fans, football is passion. You know, as long as it's policed in the correct way, then I don't want, I don't want to take that out of it. I don't want to take that out of it. I yeah. want to keep that passion and desire and shithousery. And, you know, that's what it's all about. And they're fighting a losing battle. I mean, it's, it's a bit like the, the Michael Oliver Delo red card. Um, as I said, don't he, 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 when he retires from refereeing, don't move into anger management because, you know, he's, he is like a red card to a bull. I mean, that was Delo, who was clearly emotional about the, uh, the wrong decision on the throw in. Gives him a yellow card, doesn't give him any time to calm down at all, and then gives him another one. It's just like you know, this is you're going to take the passion out of football. And and Howard Webb and Co will say, yeah, but it's about dissent. Well, it's not really, is it? You know, you've, you've booked him for dissent. Leave him a minute to calm down. Don't bloody go there straight away with another one. It's like the Lewis Dunk one a few weeks ago. It just felt like a um, bit of a niche reference, but back in the day, my hometown Bromsgrove was on GMTV. And there were these mm-hmm. parking um, attendants that had been um, rewarded on commission base for the amount of tickets they're putting on car cars. Yeah. And it just feels Michael Oliver's a bit like that. He's like, fuck me, I haven't done a red yet. Bam, bam, bam. You're off. Done it. And he just remembered it well, in the, the last minute. The, anyone who saw me and Ben Foster on the United Stand yesterday, Ben Foster actually felt that Delo was out of, out of order and should have got a yellow card. But I said to what? Ben, that's just because... But I know. But that's because Ben's a you know a very calm guy, and he wouldn't he would probably would feel embarrassed when he got the yellow card for shouting, and then he'd be a good little boy, and you know that's the sort of personality that a lot of people have. But I'm more petulant, and if I, I react yeah, to a yellow card by getting even more angry, and you just need those you need to cut. You've got the referee's job is to manage the players on the pitch and 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 deliver a good game of football. I, th- I think this is where they go wrong. They think they're there to be protected species, and they're not. You're there to officiate a game, and your responsibility is to the um, is to the players and the audience. And you know, going yellow, yellow, like you say, it's like is he working on commission? And and the big problem he's got, and I said it to Ben, and he couldn't react to this, was that twenty minutes have gone. Nunez purposely shoulder barges Evans to the ground, yellow card, and then applauds the referee in a sarcastic way. Dissent. So you can't you can't go, oh, I'm safe to do it with a minute to go, but I won't do it with 20 yeah, minutes yeah. to go for the 20 minutes gone at home for Anfield. It's that inconsistency is annoying as well. But no, we don't we don't want to see the passion going out of football. Certainly not. Um, let's talk a bit, a bit about the Manchester clubs before we, we do Pratt of the Week and either or's actually. Um, safe to say that the, 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 the Man City are in a crisis at the moment, Will. It just feels a bit strange, doesn't it? Because two 0 at home, cruising, and then mm. out of nowhere, Crystal. I think it was one of their first real attacks. Crystal Palace had also shout out Dean Henderson had a fantastic game there. Maybe another one that's got away from Manchester United. Um, he kept them in the tie, 
And then all of a sudden they get a penalty and, and it's 2-2 and Roy Hodgson's having a... Well, it looked like a little laugh at Pep Guardiola, which, you know, at his age, Roy, you can do what you want, mate. You've earned it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he'll be sat there Christmas Day falling asleep having a trump, won't he, after he's all his Brussels. Roy <laughs> can do what... He can do what he likes, Roy. the best Roy. word for fart, isn't it? I do yeah, love the word yeah, Trump, he'll be, actually. Yeah. He'll be there this time next week, Christmas. Yeah, he'll have had his dinner. He'll have had his fill. Falling asleep in front of him. the telly. Dog next like to him. Like a 15-year-old Labrador next to him, sort of, that looks like him as well. Nice bottle of scotch, which he may or not have, but just might have no, there just as a prop. It, no, he's wine. Roy Hodgson's a wine man. Sure, he's been to Italy. He's been all over. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, look, I, I was over the moon with them, Palace, because I do think, again, there was a bad decision in that game. Um Edison should have gone for me. Oh, um, yeah. But... Well, I've got it in Pratt of the Week, but if you want to chat about it now, like I, I couldn't believe it because also I, he was he was going to carry on with the ball and he was around the keeper and Diaz shoot. or the other defender was level. Yeah, he was level with him. So that's a clear goal scoring opportunity. And well, yeah, yeah, imagine the, the, him out for three is, games. Even if, yeah, well, yeah, even if, but yeah, Arsenal fans get mad. But the reality is, and Liverpool and Villa <laughs> fans, but but the reality is, it's um, there's no reward. For Crystal Palace having a free kick on the edge of the box and a yellow card for Edison. Oh, he won't do that again. Like, he clatters him out. He's definitely going to get a shot off. The thing is, there were some City fans going, he's not the last man, though. There's two players next to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And an open goal. And he's got the ball. Like, he can literally, yeah. he might miss, but it's still a goal scoring opportunity. And then you think about the Van Dyke send off at St. James's Park. The, the, was it Isaac he fouled? He's still got to yeah. go one on one with Allison. So, yeah, it's madness. But look, that's why I was very glad that, very glad for the league that the more points City dropped, the better. Uh, but very glad for Palace because I, I felt they'd been robbed of the opportunity. They, I mean, they definitely would have got a result against 10 men, I think. But they are in crisis. And I've sort of, we've sort of spoken about it. What, 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 what do you put it down to? Because I, I really think there's one very obvious uh, reason why Man City are struggling this season. Well, I, I, I assume you're thinking about Kevin De Bruyne not being there, but I just think, I, again, it maybe ties back to like this naive point that I have of being a fan of a championship side, but like the, where they are and the squad that they've bought in, it, maybe it's just down to the, the experience that they've not replaced with the, with the players mm -hmm. that went last year and in January as well of those sort of, you know, not old heads, but people that have been there and done it. And especially in those games, it's 2-0 against Crystal Palace. They would see that out normally. But we have been mm. here before, so it's a false sense of security a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, you've sort of hit the nail on the head. I mean, look, I, I think that the, the overarching thing is if you lose a player like Kevin De Bruyne for, for all of the season, they're only five points off the top. Kevin De Bruyne is worth 10, 15 points a season. So over half a season, he's going to get you those five points. So that's one thing. And then also, I think maybe the treble hangover, you know, maybe the fatigue, I don't know. Um, I also think Will's right. They do. They they have got a number of new players like Doku and Vardiel who will just take a little bit of time to bed in. And thirdly, I think that actually I, I did say I had one point. Actually, there's about four. But the point is, um, Gundogan and Mares. I mean, these are two players that are you know Gundogan was their best player in the second half of last season. Mares was ridiculously reliable. You know, Gundogan, Mares, and De Bruyne are out of that team. You. you, you I think they'd be top of the league by four or five points if those three were still there. So it's transition, I suppose. Um, the question is, Will, I, a lot of people still have them as favourites because they're like, when De Bruyne comes back. But I, the, the, all right, Man City have done it before. They can go and want, win 12, 13 games in a row. But can they do that in this league? Because if you're going to win 12, 13 games in a row, it's all right if you're playing Luton and Sheffield United every week. But 
you're going to have to beat the Tottenham's, the Villas, the Liverpool's. And I don't know. This year, I, I, I don't know. I think that's that's the challenge. No, I think that's a good point as well. It's definitely a stronger league. Even, you know, like with Newcastle are stronger now. They haven't got the Champions League football to focus on. Aston Villa are where they are. Liverpool and Arsenal, obviously. And, you know, there's definitely going to be a team in that second half of the season, maybe like a Chelsea, that can sort of come good and pick up. You know, Chelsea have already picked up results against Manchester City. The one that I just don't... I've not looked into it deeply, but it feels clear with like Arsenal, Liverpool, Villa, Spurs, Newcastle, like where their recruitment should be. With Manchester mm. City, like we, they've got to add something, but I couldn't really put put my finger on it if it's just more squad depth or a bit more experience. But I feel like Pep Guardiola wouldn't do that sort of experience purchase in January. No, no. And then from Man City to Manchester United, this might shock a few people actually, because I'm, you know, if Eric Ten Hag was in the well and people are saying leave him there, I'm definitely giving him a hand and pulling him out. But as I pull him out the well, I'm actually going, you know what, I might let you go. Now, and that's the shock what? because I do I do back Ten Hag because you know what I think that the 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 overreaction to sacking him I have to defend the manager against that he's got a I was looking at something uh, yesterday morning I think he's managed about eighty six games for United and if you compare it to uh, Arteta and Klopp he's got more points more wins so you know right. also sacking a manager when their record stands but I understand it because I think the Ten Hag losses tend to be quite big. They're quite damaging in relation to his reputation. But actually, there is this subtle, I've got more points than most Man United managers have had after this amount of time. And I've got more than Arteta and Klopp who are doing good jobs. So I think the sacking, the push to sack him is is wrong. However, I watched that Liverpool game at the weekend and I was like, you know, Scott McTominay, I don't care about him being captain, but he keeps picking him every week. And I'm like, you know what? I think this game against West Ham at the weekend's massively going to be really interesting. Um, he'll have pulled a few fans back into where I am. Don't sack the manager with that result against Liverpool. But it is treading water. It's it's not like we're back. Yeah. It's treading water. It's like the seal that's been you know being chased by the killer whales and he's got himself on a bit of ice. Maybe the killer whales are going to leave him alone. Maybe they're hatching a plan to tip him off and eat him for Christmas. So West Ham away, very difficult. Then Villa at home. And I think it's going to be pivotal about what he does because Bruno comes back in. We played the two sort of pivot, which I've been asking for all season with Maynu and Amrabat. But will he bring Bruno in and drop McTominay or will he bring Bruno in, keep McTominay in and go back to one holding midfielder, which will leave us vulnerable again? So I think it's a massive Christmas period for Ten Hag. That point at, uh, at Liverpool is either a stay of execution or it's a springboard. I don't know. Obviously, you're more in it than me, but I just feel like he's definitely going to be there to the end of the season. This sort of notion that like a win or two wins in the back, like it just needs to be said. I don't know if it's Jim Radcliffe comes in and goes and makes the statement, but it just needs to be said. You are in a transitional period now. Like mm. it needs everyone in the fan base needs to know that. So it's not going to be this I'd season, like and it's and it's definitely not going to be next season. So you just say for the next eighteen months, it's going to be a bit shit. You know, it's going to be toast without butter for breakfast. It's going to be tea without milk. So just get used to it and let's just get behind the side. You know, let's focus on the youngsters and, and build them and embed them. And then in, in 18 months, two years, you've got a really strong proposition. I would like that because I think that there is a Ten Hag out movement quite clearly in the mainstream media. I think they were set to go for him this weekend if we'd lost. I think there's a, a small section of United fans that would like to see him go as well. But 
you know, if you lose to West Ham, Liverpool's only a point. Like you can't live up a point at Anfield, and and then it all starts again, doesn't it? But I'm, I I agree. I said this. I said this the weekend. One of the best things United could do is come out and say there's a new contract because it sort of makes yeah. everybody go, well, all right. We're, you know, the, the, the mainstream would then go, all right, we're wasting our time going after Ten Hag. Let's have a look at Poch because I understand that. Look, we can all call the mainstream out and it's very, they're a very easy target. What is the mainstream, as you say? But the mainstream to me is putting a turnip on Graham Taylor's head. The mainstream is that they've always have been even before social media existed, they've, they've always set agendas and I have no problem with them setting an agenda for a manager. I mean, they did it against, they did it with Arteta. There was an Arteta out movement and the media were very happy to push that because, you know, you put that on the back of a paper. At the end of yeah. the day, me, media themes have been running for hundreds of years. You know, new manager yeah. comes in, hype, sack a manager, hype. So I would like it to move away from Ten Hag. I mean, actually, that result yesterday, nil-nil, really pleased me because I was like, I thought this week was just going to be a big, you know, wave of sack Ten Hag. And actually, it's like, get the celebrations and the quality street out. We're watching Home Alone. There's not, you know, it's going to be a nice lead up to Christmas, whereas it wouldn't have been. It would have been, sack him, sack him. Yeah. But to be fair, you know, I speak of all that and then you look at some of the reports and rumours coming out around him. I mean... Last week, Graham Potter was linked to the Stoke job, and then three days later, he was getting the yeah. job at Man United when Ineos came in. So, uh, to be fair, that that backs up your point of that. But Man United equals clicks, and that's just something that the fan base will always have to get used to. Yeah, I, I would say on United, watch this space. I, I, I don't think we're out of the woods yet at all. I still think there's uh, there's a wolf in there, and there's a bear in there, and three bears and a wolf, and you know, we're Goldilocks and Red Riding Hood. Can we get out of the woods? alive come back next week and find out okay everyone time to take a quick break from our football madness but will have you noticed we've been a bit more on the ball lately <laughs> definitely mark i thought it was just the excitement of the game but it turns out it's our new morning superstar ag1 spot on it's more than just a supplement it's like the perfect midfield maestro for our bodies all about foundational nutrition. And how easy it is. One scoop of AG1 in our water every morning. It's faster than brewing up a coffee and way more beneficial. <laughs> exactly. And it's like signing a whole squad of benefits, energy, focus, immune health. Not to mention, it's great for managing stress and mood. It's even improved your mood, Mark. <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. Watch it. But you're right. I've even noticed it supports healthy ageing. I mean, look at me practically reversing time here and the quality is top notch ag1 is nsf certified for sport you know you're getting the best plus it's helped both of us stay sharp and witty essential for dealing with each other on this podcast true and my girlfriend says i'm less of a prat in the mornings now it's been a total game changer for those listening get in on this there's a special offer a free one year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase head over to drinkag1.com forward slash goldbridge that's drinkag1.com forward slash goldbridge start your day with ag1 and feel the difference in your health and mood give it a try folks it's a simple habit with big results now back to the football and my always correct opinions uh, anyway should That'd we do nice prat of the week from you, actually yeah let's do it you're a prat he's a prat she's a prat they're whiny now it's time for prat of the week one two three we're well, going to lead on these will 
Yeah, I've got plenty of them to come in. I'd want to get your thoughts, actually, on some of these. Um, let's just go through the nominations that we spoke about already. I'm going to pull Brentford and Villa players out because I actually liked it. Referee Pratt, they're up for nomination this week, and Michael Oliver for the Delow stuff. Paul Tierney for not sending off Edison. And one we haven't spoken about so far, I don't know if you saw this as well, Chris Kavanagh for not sending off Vladimir Kufal. Guys come in yeah. with an absolute uh, Wade Barrett-esque... Um, yeah forehand smash he's he's absolutely gone for him they var checked it and then they've gone it's all right yeah you're fine carry on i mean good just, god just on that as well um because i've not really heard it discussed by anybody but at the time i was i mean when it when it wasn't given i was off the chair on the watch along celebrating like we'd scored did you see the handball luke shaw oh the for the penalty near the end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that was a penalty well, and, and fair play, a lot of people have said that, but I've got to be honest, if that had been at the other end, I would have been calling it the biggest injustice in the world. But I'm glad mm. most people have spoken to, even Liverpool fans are saying that nah, it's probably not. But I just think it, it, it again, if, it, you know, if anyone's listening from the PGMOL, this is the problem. Like the handball rule is so subjectively inconsistent. We, we, I have seen them given for that. I don't think yeah, they yeah. should be given for that, but I was like, I, I was like, oh my god, he's almost caught it accidentally. It's gone in between his arm and body. He's almost caught it, and I thought they're gonna give it. And then when they didn't, I was over the moon. And if it had happened up the other end, I would have wanted it as well. I think technically it probably isn't a handball, but and and then obviously we've just had a few weeks of European football where it would be a handball, and I think that's the problem, isn't it? There's just it's. I'm glad you said it's not, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans felt. It probably wasn't going to be. But for me, I was just like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know whether they'll give this because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's common sense, sometimes there's not. Um, but I think by the sounds of it, they did get that right. Yeah, I, I just felt like the worst thing they can do, especially with some of the decisions, is, is slow it down because then you've got a freeze frame of the ball next to his arm. But like when it was just yeah. played through, I didn't think it was a foul. But yeah, quite, really quite like a... A, a bad a bad weekend, but they've got away with it, really. Well, maybe not if you're a Wolves fan, because that decision was still fair. It's always bloody on. Wolves, isn't it? And you know what? I think the worst uh, the worst elbow I ever saw, and you can check it on YouTube, and it's okay, it didn't kill the guy, was that, <laughs> I think, it, I don't know if he was playing for Man City at the time or Leicester, because he played for both. Yeah, was it on Pablo? Did he play for um, Portsmouth? Paolo Mendes. That was it. Pablo oh, Mendes, my Christ. I mean, that was literally yeah. run across and elbow someone in the face. But I thought Kufal knew what he was well. doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the worst one with that Ben Thatcher, when he gets up and he says, like, what are you Have on it. And he's like, the guy's unconscious on the floor. Yeah, he could have killed. He, you know, genuinely could have killed him. But no, I thought the Kufal <laughs> one... It's, it's funny, actually, because there was three, really, over the weekend. Nunez got a yellow card for the one on Johnny Evans, where obviously it shouldn't be a red, but he's looking right at him and does it on purpose. Um Jimenez got a red, which I thought was a bit debatable. I think the intent mm. was red, but then he did pull out of it. He's yeah. gone in with the intention, but what he's basically done, he's turned his back on him and, and hit him with his backside, hasn't he? That's what he's done. Um, I yeah, don't, but that I actually... comes from as well if, if the referee gets involved a bit earlier there because two minutes earlier he gets elbowed yeah. in the face and I don't think it gets addressed. So that's just winding up the situation, isn't it? And also, you know, with that, on, I think what a lot of stuff went wrong this weekend, if you look at the Ben Mee one, it was a yellow card on the pitch, totally wrong, it should have been a red. So that's where VAR works well. But with the Jimenez one, he gives him a yellow card on the pitch and then they review it and take it up to a red. And that, that for me wasn't, if, if the referee on the pitch had given a red, I'd have said fine, but it was more borderline to me. And I don't think it was 
clearly a red card. But the Kufal one, did he? What did he get? A yellow or nothing? I think he got a yellow, and then it went to VAR, and then VAR just said, "Yeah, stick with the original decision." Yeah, because if they say look at it, that I've never seen a referee go over and have a look at a red card and go, "No, you're wrong." Still having a yellow, they always give the red, yeah. don't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kufal knew what he was doing. Um, one of the other ones I want to talk about, and I think it would probably be like um, a long thread that goes through the podcast and ongoing. Obviously, we're just about to start the Club World Cup and you only care about it really if you're a Manchester City fan. But FIFA have announced the 32-team Club World Cup starting from 2025. Um, mm. Chelsea and Man City have qualified, Liverpool and Manchester United to miss out. But it all just, for me, ties back to this constant tug of war between FIFA and UEFA of trying to set up the best competitions. And Why have Chelsea sort of- qualified? Um, I'll, let me do some digging, but it's to do with... Uh, this is news to me. England's two places will go to recent Champions League winners, Chelsea and Manchester City. Until Sunday's confirmation of qualifying criteria, Liverpool had a chance based on their Champions League performances over the last three seasons. Arsenal can qualify, but only if they win the Champions League this season. So they're picking the 2025 World Cup for clubs based on Chelsea winning the Champions League when? 2021, wasn't it? 2022? That's, that's absolute nonsense. <laughs> I mean, talk so, about, you know, talk about if you're going to do a tournament like that, you put Man United and Arsenal in it or Liverpool, you put the big clubs in it. Chelsea and well, Man City. Europe, Europe will have 12 clubs to 32-team tournament and the spaces are allocated based on performance in the Champions League over four seasons from 2021-21 up until including this season. So obviously the that's cycle exactly. will start afresh then. Yeah, I mean, you've got no chance. Um, I, I would have thought, I'd have thought it, in 32 I, as well, you'd get more than two Premier League clubs, but I suppose it's World Club. That, that tournament's going to yeah. be shit. I mean, we'll, we'll cover it, of course. But Well, that's the thing as well. I just think it ties into this constant thing of like FIFA wanting to set their precedent for it because obviously the UEFA Champions League is the best club competition and then being like, right, we need that. And they know the Club World Cup just is absolutely awful. So mm. it's just going to, again, have a... You know, how many injuries are we getting as well? I mean, this weekend it's all piling up and they all seem to be sort of in the same vicinity and the game's becoming more athletic, but there's more games. It's just, it's just really going to, there's going to be a tipping point. And I've, this that's a summer tournament as well, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm actually glad United aren't in that. And if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be happy as well. Or an Arsenal fan, I'd be like, you know what? Oh, it's in the tournament. USA next. We can go. It looks like a I mean. Yeah, I like. I don't mind Chelsea, but in all fairness, Man City and Chelsea representing us in a Club World Cup—that's just not. That's not. That's not. Uh, that's not very appealing. Um, although you probably you're going to get Real Madrid and Barcelona, probably presumably from Spain. Um, Bayern Munich will be there. PSG. Yeah. Porto, Benfica, Chelsea, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, PSG, Inter Milan. Barcelona and Atletico Madrid um, are vying for spots with three of the four remaining slots. Mm. Oh, look, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm with you. It's, it's more games, isn't it? Uh, I think it's been a, a massive problem this season. And we spoke about it last week, this increase, 15% increase in injuries. We saw a load more at the weekend as, again as well. Um, uh, big shout out to the Luton captain as well, Tom Lockyer, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's anything to do with superbly. that. Yeah, they dealt with it really, really well. And um, hopefully he makes a full recovery. And obviously whatever he wants to do with his career, if he wants to play again, hopefully they can they can do something around that as well. Um, 
Pratt of the week, any others? Uh, well, I've got to put myself in there. Obviously, we put Goldbridge out on Friday. I said Luca Dean. Um, and then, I mean, what's even worse was there was loads of Villa fans telling me that he was suspended and, that, and they were obviously reveling in my shit. But well, we'll come on to it Friday. But automatically, I do get Moreno, who did score for Villa. So uh, it's worked out well for me there. So um, no, I think bo- for me... Bo- bollocks, that's not happening. Well, we'll talk about it Friday, won't we? I'll have a we will look. talk you, about you, it on Friday. Cause, on, uh, yeah. Solanke scored as well, well, and that's not apparently allowed. So Yeah, well... We'll have a chat offline and then we'll do the podcast. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I think, I don't know. I think I, I just felt Michael Oliver was the, the epitome of Pratt because it was a decision that needed to be made, but not in the way he did it. And just like a weird timing and just put himself front and center of a thing that didn't need to be done. I think I think it has to be Michael Oliver because I think he's very lucky. Um, he's been very lucky this season twice now. If we go back to the Arsenal-Man City game, Kovacic twice should have been sent off, didn't do it, Arsenal won. If Man City had won that game, that would have gone off like a bottle of pop. And again yesterday, if after yeah. the low gets sent off, Liverpool win that, that's again, he's, he's been very lucky twice with some bad decisions this year. Um, and the biggest thing for me is that the inconsistency. You know, if you're going to send a low off for that, you should have sent Nunez off after 20 minutes. It's, it felt opportunistic and... Uh, you know, a little bit about him, which is not what you want to see. So, Michael Oliver, you are. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. We've love got that. the new... Yeah, I love that. I love that. We've got the new name of the quiz coming up soon, but uh, it wouldn't be the Tuesday show without some topical either-ors. Not always topical, but uh, we have got some topical ones. Uh, I'm going to start off first here, Will, because I was doing a watch-along at the weekend and... Uh, we have been. We do do a few either ors on there every now and again. We we had. Um, uh, well, I'll ask you here. We had cooked breakfast or a roast dinner. We see ours are not always football there. Oh, I think on the whole, I would go for cooked breakfast um, over everything. Do like a roast dinner, but a cooked breakfast just there feels a little bit more naughty. Hmm. Interesting. And what about this one? Uh, pigs in blankets or roast potatoes? Oh, it's got to be roast potatoes all day. The sort of uh, Declan Rice of the roast dinner there. Strong, stable, and you know it's always going to sort of pack a punch but be consistent as well. I'd say Casemiro. And what about, uh, would, would, would pigs in blankets uh, beat Turkey? Uh, no, not for me, because I think, oh. again, it's a bit like Mohamed Salah. People would say, like, you know, if you get rid of turkey on a Christmas dinner, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So I think appreciate turkey while it's there, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. The thing about turkeys, it's got a very... I'm looking forward to mine next week, but it is. it has got a... It's not chicken. It's got a very distinctive taste. It's not chicken. Uh, mm. It's turkey. It's got to be done uh, right. Are you cooking yeah. or is, is Mrs. Bridge cooking? I do a good stuffing on Christmas. Hey, what about the sister's dinner? Come on! There we go, there we go, there we go. Assist, another assist for Will. Um, he's got more assists than Mo Salah this season. Um, no, I, 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 I make, uh, we're not, we're, um, it's a team effort. I do the gravy. And, and I do, do the stuffing, uh, which is a nice stuffing, which I had, you know, I've mentioned it before. It's a it's, team uh, effort, but I do the stuffing. I mean, that's not a team effort. And I walk around the kitchen. Uh, anyone, want, anyone else want to drink? No, no, we're really busy. <laughs> yeah. Top up my red wine. Oh, I love Christmas, me. <laughs> Did I tell you what someone said about me last week? Just, 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 just the me show, really. But um, either or, Martinelli, Kulisevsky. This was really close on the That's Football Watch Along at the weekend. Uh, and I, I get really excited. This was 
This was this year's Bowen versus Kulisevsky. Kulisevsky always ends up with a 50-50 vote. So Kulisevsky-Martinelli was very close. Kulisevsky-Bowen last year was very close. But where would you go? I think if I was to say which player would I like in my team right now, I think it would have to be Kulisevsky. And I think that's mm. just for a bit more of the steadiness, maybe. I think, you know, Martinelli in moments is has it and shines a lot more than Kulisevsky. But I think there was a ball at the weekend he played for assist Kulisevsky. And yeah. when he's firing, I just think he's like, he could be in that underrated Premier League 11 for me. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Martinelli and I think he's really come into his own this last sort of 18 months. But again, I look at United and yeah, that that right wing Kulisevsky position, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a bit recency biased. He's doing really well at the moment, but I think he's been a very, very intelligent side. I mean, actually, I think that there's another one actually I wanted to do, uh, just keeping with the Spurs model, Vicario or Emmy Martinez. So think on that, Will. But just before you do, I've got to say Spurs... I think they had a director of football called Patricia or something like that. Someone in the Spotify comments can let us know. Apparently, this Vicario deal was done in advance of Ange coming in. So it probably is a legacy one as well. They bought Bentanka and Kulisevsky in from Italy as well. Um, their recruitment's been really good from Italy over the last sort of 18 months. And I know Conte didn't necessarily work, but uh, I think their, their previous director of football did. I think he had to leave, didn't he, because of these allegations from... I think it might have been Juventus or something like that. But uh, that Vicario, I mean, I think Ben Foster was saying to me that he did an interview with James Madison and James Madison was saying that he had to, didn't know who he was, had to do some YouTube clips and stuff like that. And I was like, well, it, I'm not criticising him for that. I didn't know who he was as well. I think he came in from, it wasn't a top four Serie A club. I forget who it was, but uh, yeah, he's been a revelation. But then he has. That just ties back to as well, when we speak about that, that's the sort of level because of the the aura around Spurs at the moment and the level they're at and, you know, Kane going, they can make those sort of purchases and like Manchester United, where they are, they should really be making those more middle mm. of the road purchases that you hope can push on. But just because of expectation and everything else, they, they can't do that. But I like him, but I don't think there's a debate about Emmy Martinez. I mean, it's got to be him. Uh, I mean, his World Cup performance alone will, will have him stood in front of Vicario for sure. And this season, everything though. He does it. Yeah, no, I'd still go Martinez as well, I think. Mm. He's got think, a personality, hasn't he? Yeah, well, not, not, not a likeable one for some people, but yeah, I still think it's Martinez. Yeah, you? interesting. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I probably would go Martinez, but um, I think Vicario has impressed me every time I've watched him this year. Um, what about uh, Ollie Watkins or Isaac? Isaac? I think if, I think, I think if I hadn't, really looked into it a little bit I probably would say I like Isaac but yeah I think I would have gone Isaac but then I was looking at Watkins and like I say I think he's second to Salah for goals and goal contributions like assists and goals as I say he's got uh nine Premier League goals and six assists uh which I think is you know amazing and Villa are doing amazing um he's got his limitations I don't know whether and again Villa Villa could be top at Christmas so I was going to say I don't know whether he could play for a top four team he already does but yeah, could he? I mean, you, you look at him and you think, could he do? Could he lead the line at Arsenal better than Jesus? I think you know, arguably he could do. Would he be you know somebody to push Hoyland at United? Yeah, probably would. Is he better than Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea? Well, you know, so I think he's uh, his stock is rising. I, I'd go Watkins, yes, at the moment. I think if 
I'll go Watkins right now because it feels like he's been a very streaky striker before because I like to get him in my fantasy football team, but he'll have like four or five games and then he'll mm. have the sort of mini goal droughts and then need those goals to pick up his confidence. But this season, he's just kept picking up goals and assists and been in the right areas. And hopefully for Villa fans, this will be the one where he can get 20 plus goals as a striker in that team who are creating really good chances. I think with Izak... I think given the same length of time that Watkins has had in the Premier League, then maybe yeah. we can come back to it. Um, and also he has a few injury problems as well. So that needs to be resolved because that is part of the package. Yeah, 100%. And I think also Villa, if they lose Watkins, that could be the bubble burst really. Yeah, but then I think, well, it depends when it happens. If it happens after January, they're screwed. But like, they have spent a lot of money over the last four or five seasons. Um, and, and they have got money to spend. So yeah, I think that, that they will be okay. Any others? Either ors? Um, I had one here. I wanted to get your thought. I'm just throwing at you this. Like, who would you rather have as, say, Ten Hag goes, who would you rather have as manager for Manchester United, Arteta or Emery? Oh, good question. Uh, Thanks. Well, I would, I would, I, I would actually hundred percent go Emery, and I'll tell you why. I've, I've always been a big fan of Arteta. I've even defended him when Arsenal fans were saying Arteta out because you could see that that job was going to take time, and you could see what he was trying to do. It was about results at the start, not necessarily playing the way he wanted to play. He wanted to get rid of big egos. It was going to take a few transfer windows. So I think Arteta's done a great job at Arsenal, um, but he's only done a great job at Arsenal. Whereas when you look at Emery. What he's done at Villa was what he threatened to do at Arsenal, but Arsenal just wasn't the right club at the right time. And I think he's gone into Villa and turned around a club that was terrible under Gerrard and, and turned it into a team that could be top at Christmas. So I think Emery, as a project manager that can go in and get quick results, I'd, I'd, I'd favour Emery. And also he's got he's done it at like Villarreal and other clubs as well. So yeah, I think Emery's got more Arteta's still a, an apprentice I feel and he's doing a very good apprenticeship at Arsenal but whereas whereas I think Emery he's almost becoming that on Ancelotti isn't he Emery he's got that he's got a good CV and he's got um yeah I'd, I'd go Emery yeah no I'd agree with you and I think you know he made the mistakes once at Arsenal and you know he probably too too cruelly treated just because of the way that the he came in after Arsene Wenger. But I think he can do everything that he wants to do at Aston Villa because of what we've just spoken about anyway. So, yeah, I think he's... I mean, he could be there. He could be... We could be talking about him in the sort of Klopp and Pep era as well of just staying at Villa and really bringing them forward. Um, I've, got, I've got to insert something here. Don't get excited. Oh. Nothing like that. Um but uh, this was a recommendation a few weeks ago and I would purposely kept it back. It's probably something we'll do more of in the new year. It's either or with a twist. It's tournament either or. There are four candidates oh, nice. here. Will's going to do the two semifinals, then the final, but there are four candidates. So it's almost it's, it's like, like it's knockout either or. So right. it will work with football in the future. You could do it with goalkeepers, right backs, goal scorers. But being a bit of a Christmassy show, we're going to do it. Chocolates. So, our first Ooh. semi-final, either or, is Quality Street or Roses? Uh, I'm going to go Roses for that one, because just because of the sort of Cadbury dairy milk insertion. Can't believe Quality Street's been knocked out in the semi-final. And the second semi-final is going to be Heroes or Celebrations? Oh. 
Yeah. Now, when we were doing the live show on Monday, there was a big box of celebrations on the side and it really reignited my passion for celebrations. The small Malteser in there is an mm. absolute gem, so I'm going to go for celebrations. That means it's Roses versus Celebrations in the final. I can't believe Heroes and Quality Street have gone out in the semi-final, but this is the level of the tournament. Roses Celebrations final. The chat's going to go off on this on Spotify. They're going to go mad. Yeah, a bit like when Hull City played Arsenal. Uh, I think Roses would start well. You'd pick out a few of your favourites, but they really do drop off. And for me, that's why it's a clear Celebrations win. See, I'd have boot, I, 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 Roses were only ever in it to, to make it four for me. The, the GOAT three are Quality Street, Celebrations and Heroes. And, and uh, Roses makes it to the final with Will. You know, he's, he's unorthodox, definitely. Uh, right, is it time for the quiz? Right, this is exciting. Yeah. So, is that right, Will? Yeah. Just No, I just wanted to bring up a few points from Spotify. Obviously, we're very appreciative of you getting involved in the Spotify uh, polls and the quiz. Obviously, on Friday, we did the draft. And I just yeah. wanted to pop that out there because I won. Um, my yeah, it was draft closer than you thought. Your draft 11. No, not really. Uh, 60%, 40 Yeah. But you had first pick. On, can I just say you had first pick? On, next time we do this, I will have first picks. He had first pick. He should win. 60-40. Go on, Mark's marvellous 11. Yeah. Um, well, And also, um, Alfie got involved and he said, uh, close between the teams, try a similar challenge, but only one player per club will get you thinking. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Alfie. I like that one. Somebody also said... Uh, um, over 25, under 25. Nice. That'd be good. That's a good one. There's plenty we can do. We'll, we'll have another good one for you on Friday, definitely. Um, okay. That's so, it. well, also from the Spotify comments, we do read them and we do take notes down. Um, so keep those coming in on Spotify. Please do give us five stars and a follow on there as well. Or on iTunes. We read them there as well. But the poll is always on Spotify. Um, we have um, some contenders for this. We've got Goldbridge on Friday, and that works really well. But this quiz, which is basically five clues each, and uh, if you get it on the first clue, you get five points, second clue, four points, third clue, three points. What's the overall score, Will, between us at the moment? I know I'm winning. 5-3 um, to you at the moment. Yeah, I've been having some real real stinking weeks and just getting myself in a fluster, so I just need to really concentrate and, and clear my head. We'll concentrate on this because we've got some contenders and we've got to pick one, even if it's a holding name. There is somebody who keeps going, this is week three, and you of telling you to call it who's that footballer. As Will said, you're, like, you're going to have a week four, five, six and seven as well because we're not calling it that. But we have got three contenders this week. Um, basically, who am I? Football factory, because you're building a footballer with clues. Or who are you? Who are no, you? To be who fair, I think that I think that guy who we were just mocking had a better one than that. To be fair, I think his was like football fives or something. So maybe five aside. Someone said five aside. Mm, right, we, you know what? Uh, Get in the comment. F- footballer in five or footballer for five. Five or three to one. Yeah, it would be a name. Um, the, what about, what's about the, the, what was that book the famous five or whatever it's called oh, that depresses me though um yeah look right we need <laughs> to get to the bo- we need to get to the bottom of this get in the comments with better names than what are being put for i actually was very i thought you'd i, I quite liked who are it's time for who are you who are you who are okay. you all right yeah, we'll do you? that then that's the name okay we'll go with who are you then okay um unless someone comes up with a better one this week so time to play who are you i'm winning five three uh do you want to meet I, do you want me to go first or do you want to go second, Will? 
you choose you're the you're in the lead uh i'll go first this week you can give me the clues then because i think okay. i've been second Question... Clue number one, I made one appearance for England at senior level against Portugal in 2002, and that was my only appearance. 2002, England appearance. Uh, I would say that will be... be, uh, I think it's it's way way after his time, but I'm going to go Ricketts. No, incorrect. I think you're in about the right era for Michael Ricketts. Good from you, that. Um, club teammates have included Rio Ferdinand, Ben Foster and Carlos Tevez. Um... Now, I didn't intend for that clue to be so good, but looking back on it, it's an absolute banger because it gets you thinking in more ways than one. Yes, it it would do, wouldn't it? Because um, it could be... Um, I've, 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 That's I'm, just club. I'm... That's not international. That's just club. It's not international. Um, one appearance in 2002. And I am struggling here as to who it could be. You know, one one cap for England. My, one, one cap for England is really, really difficult. Um, and we're looking back at an era of 2002. And everyone I can think of has got loads of caps. Uh, oh, God. I, you know what? Everyone I think of has played for England loads of times. Can't, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to have to pass. I'm going to have to pass on that. That's terrible. I, I once played in the Champions League only in 2001, and it was for Leeds United. Oh. Matteo. No, incorrect. Mm. I've managed... I think he's Scottish, I think. Oh, yeah, uh, he is, yeah. I oh, know, he yeah. might be... No, he's, is he? Oh, is he? I think he did play um, for Scotland, I've managed... I have managed Birmingham City, Charlton Athletic, and I currently manage an international side. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about him, and I I thought he would have played for England more. It's Lee Bowyer. Yeah. Apparently he was going to play, but then there was that... I don't know what happened, but yeah, he only played once. I did think... I did actually Uh, think of him. Final clue was... Final clue was I once had a (laughs) punch-up. I once had a punch-up with my teammate Lee, uh, Lee Dyer, Kieran Dyer on the pitch. So I've got two points. Mm, you've got to. Ch- you should get this. Nice. I think looking at the clues, you, door opening. Yeah, you you'll get this by clue three, which will give you three points. So you'll be don't all right. Do, you don't be doing that shit with me. Yeah, that's not okay. Fair. Here we go. Um, in my career, I have won a clean sweep of the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, or the EFL Cup, whatever you want to call it, and the Europa League. And I'm English. You're just doing all five clues at once. No, um, no, I just, I, 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 I thought it was, you probably, well, I suppose clue five should be difficult, shouldn't it? But English won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the, the EFL and the Europa. See, when you say the Europa, it, means, it makes it seem like they haven't won the Champions League. Well, that, 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 so that would be to... very correct of you to deduce that because I would have put the Champions League I'm in there if they had. What? New Year's Day is on the 1st of January. I'm deducting that as well. I've been very good. Um, they've not won the... Uh, so... Oh, God. God. I literally can't think who's won... Uh, Chelsea won the Europa League with... any their English. Oh, God. I'm struggling. Like, oh, fucking... Oh, oh, it's gone. It's happened. I've got the jits. 
don't know what the jits are. Uh, Frank Lampard. I know it's not him, but just give me the next one. I can tell you it's not Frank Lampard. Um, second clue, uh, 39 caps for England and played under, not exclusively, but a selection of managers he's played for. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Sean Dyche. I had, an, I had a name in mind there, but then the Antonio Conte one spun me. So Spurs, someone at Spurs doing the rounds. Someone at Spurs doing the rounds. So second clue, English, 39 caps, uh, played for Sir Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Sean Dyche. He's played for other managers, but they're the, they're the ones that should help the most. Oh, God. Is it like... No. Maybe uh, this is tough. I've given a lot of clues, but maybe this is tough. It's not him, but that, I'll just go Danny Welbeck. No. Uh, clue three. Fucking hell. I, I've won Serie A as a player. And I'm English. Can't be tomorrow. Tomorrow's not on it. Oh, God's sake, man. I th- Honestly, these studio lights, I, I, I absolutely crumble. It's the pressure of me uh, saying you'll get it on clue three as well. Yeah, you go into this well-weird quiz mode and it just really intimidates me, like the sort of demon head master. So I've won, the cl- I've won a queen- clean sweep of Premier League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Europa League. I'm English. I've won 39 caps and I've played under Sir Alex, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Sean Dyche, and I've won Serie A. Maybe, maybe a clue there from uh, who he won Serie A with. Yeah, the Sean Dyche AC Milan side of 2023. Yeah, that's the one. Very impressive. Uh, okay, Antonio Conte. So who went out there that's English? Then? Not uh, this... Ruben Loftus-Cheek? No. Um, our clue four, this is for a draw now. I signed for United from Aston Villa for £17 million. Pounds. And the year Aston he signed, Villa. I think, was... Ah, bastard! You got it. Ashley Young. It is Ashley Young. Well done. Uh, the Europa League good. really threw me off at the start. That was good. I wasn't going to put Europa League in. I knew he'd won all the others, and then I had to check his Wikipedia page, and he won the Europa League, and I was like, oh, I don't know whether that's going to help or hinder. But, uh, Who did he win the Europa League with? Inter Milan? Manchester United. Oh, Jose. Sorry, of course, yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. I see I've lost my head. There'll be a lot of United fans who get that, but I think non-United fans like yourself might struggle with that one. So it's a draw. What it's is? still 5-3 or 6-4, whatever you want to call it. I'll tell who you are you? I was in an absolute... Uh, yeah. I was in real trouble there. It's another good. See, when I put the effort in, I give lots of clues as well. I put yeah, no, I think you, yeah, that that's good because you you help him with that, but you also hinder him with that, which is very clever from you. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. Anyway, cracking show this week. Don't forget, there's lots for you to get your comments in on. We'll have a little bit of a poll for you as well. Uh, maybe we'll go and put the uh, Kulisevsky Martinelli thing as a poll for you to vote on, or maybe we'll do something completely different. But uh, we are back on Friday. 
um, ahead of Christmas and a, a stonking Premier League uh, weekend. I don't know what our plans are over Christmas with the podcast. Most people apparently take a week off um, Boxing Day morning. I don't know when we'd film that. I think we'll certainly have to miss the Tuesday one, but we might. We may well have a Friday one. Uh, maybe we'll just skip. You let the me know. One. I'm ready. Ready, winning and able. I'll come round your house. Maybe have a bit of that stuff in. None of that, thanks. Uh, Will, final words from you. Literally your final words after that. You're fired. Um, big game tonight. I was recording Monday Night Football. Uh, it's the Wagatha Christie derby. Jamie Vardy's bottled it, but Wayne Rooney's men will march on and get the three points. Yeah, won't be watching that. I'll be watching Gone with the Watch Wind. Along. You've committed to it. What, it's a Wonderful Life or Home Alone 2. Yeah, much better than that. Um, anyway... Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been another cracking show. I truly believe that, and uh, hopefully you do as well. We will see you again on Friday. Don't forget to give us a follow. Tell your friends. Goldbridge saves football with me and Will. We'll be back later. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.